This is Matthew 27. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his, his new tomb that he had cut out of a rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that, that he had raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. And I'm thinking... That Sunday morning, Caiaphas must have been so pleased with himself. It was done. It was finished. Jesus was gone. So Caiaphas would have been so happy. And I'm thinking about the guards that were posted. I mean, they'd been watching this, this, this tomb for two, three days, they, you know, walking around this tomb, making sure everything's secure. And they're thinking, how stupid is this? They're drinking their coffee thinking, surely today is going to be the last day of this. Surely we get to go home today. Who, why are we even here? This is crazy. I'm thinking that morning there had been a variety of responses. You, you know, the, the, the disciples themselves, they were, they, were, they were hiding in fear. That's what the Bible tells us in John chapter 19. And some of them were depressed and sad, thinking life is over. And then there were some women who got up and they went to the tomb that morning. And Luke tells us they were, they were bringing spices to, to, to take care of the body. Apparently what Joseph and Nicodemus did on Friday night wasn't good enough, so they had to, you know how that is. Um, but it says in Matthew 28, verse 1, after the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. They go to the tomb on Sunday morning. And as they're going, it tells us in verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And remember the guards, the guards that were posted, it tells us in verse 4, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And here are these, these guards, you get the irony of this here, the, the guards are, are keeping watch over this tomb that has a dead man in it, and they become like dead men, and the dead man inside becomes alive, and that changes everything. The women finally get to the tomb, 
And this is what it says in verse 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and then go quick, quickly and tell his disciples. Now, right here, this is, this, is, this is the beginning of it all right here. The angel who appears like lightning setting on that stone that he rolled away. He's talking to these ladies. And, and the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And if you could put yourself... In that moment, in that, okay, there was just, there just had been an earthquake, and now there's an angel. And all this after a horrific crucifixion of the, of the one they love, and, and the angel says, don't be afraid. I don't know about you, but I'd been terrified. I, I would have been afraid. Okay, that's, that's how I am. Right? And, but they, don't be afraid. He has risen. He has risen. Just as he said, and, and, and this is important to me, I want to remind you, and I, this, is, this is not even an exhaustive uh, approach here, but all the times that, that Jesus spoke of the fact he was going to die, he was going to be buried, and on the third day he would raise again. It says in John 2 verse 19, destroy the temple in three days, I will raise it up. Matthew 17, Jesus told them the Son of Man is about to be betrayed to some people who want nothing to do with God. They will murder him, and three days later, he will be raised alive. That's in Matthew chapter 17. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says this, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will sentence him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and whipped and crucified, then he will be raised to life on the third day. Over and over. In John chapter 10, verse 17, the Father loves me because I give up my life so that I may receive it back again. No one takes my life from me. I give it up willingly. I have the power to give it up and the power to receive it back again, just as my Father commanded me to do. Over and over and over. Jesus had said this. The disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand. And, and here's the angels telling the women, he has risen just like he said he would. Just like he said. And then they say, come and see. Come and see. This is so important. Come and see. See, see the stones rolled away. See the empty tomb. See the guards who are laying around dead, like as if they're dead. See, see all the evidence. Look at all the evidence. And we're just getting started here. I could take you through a list. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to take you through a list of, of all, all the evidence, all the, all the fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament. And we're just getting started. Come and see. Come and see. And, and then the angel gives the ladies this instruction, go and tell. Come and see and go and tell. Go tell the disciples. And it, 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 I, this won't surprise anybody now, but 2,000 years ago, this was shocking that these women were the first evangelists of the world, the first entrusted with the good news. Because in that culture 2,000 years ago, women were not trusted with trustworthy news, I guess. Um, and, 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 and this is further evidence that the word of God is true, because if this was fabricated, they would, they would never went to the women first. It would have never happened that way. This is further evidence. The word of God is true. And, and the women's response, 20, Matthew 28, verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. 
Now, I'm hoping you all have experienced that joy today. We come here and we worship. This is Easter Sunday, and I, can just, I feel it in this room. This room is just full of joy because we understand. And, and what Paul was saying, I can't art- articulate this. I can't articulate much of anything. But I can't articulate all that's going on here, but we're full of joy. They were afraid, but they were filled with joy. And they went and they told the disciples. They actually ran to tell the disciples. And on the way... They encountered Jesus. Verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. I read this in the Greek. Basically, it's not like a formal greeting. It's like, hey there. Jesus just, hey guys. The women are going to tell the disciples and Jesus shows up. Hey, I'm here. And what do they do? The women, they came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. So, so their response, I want you to see, they grabbed his feet and they worshiped him. And I'm hoping everyone in this room has a response similar to this, that you will encounter Jesus today and you will take hold of him and you will worship him. And, and, and something that's important for me to, to, to emphasize here, if I can, is that, you know, the first commandment in the, in the Old Testament, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. And here they are worshiping Jesus. And, and, and what I want to, Jesus is not another God. Jesus is God. Jesus taught, I and the Father are one. Jesus writes, in the beginning was the word, John writes this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. The word that is God became flesh, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is not, is not some other God. Jesus does not forbid them to worship him. Jesus allows them to worship him. Jesus is God. Do you understand that? And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And these ladies, they went and they told. They went and they told. And as they are going to tell the disciples this wonderful news, the guards, you remember the guards who were laying dead, uh, like dead men? Apparently they woke up now, and, and they go and tell. They go and tell the chief priest and the elders what they just experienced. It says in Matthew 28, verse 11, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. And verse 12 says, when the chief priest had met with the elders, they devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. That's absurd, by the way. Uh, but that's a, that's a story. That's what, you know, they devised this plan. They're putting us out there. And, and in verse 14, if this report gets back to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, and they did as they were instructed. So as a, as a woman are sent by the angel... And by Jesus, to go tell the disciples, the chief priest, and it's plural, not just one, the chief priest and the elders, which would be the Sanhedrin, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, they send the guards to go tell everyone the body was stolen. The ladies go say, he's risen. The guards go to say, he's been stolen. One group was sent with good news. The other group was sent with fake news. 
I point this out. I want you to see the chief priests here are actively suppressing the truth. They devised a plan. They paid the guards to lie because they don't want the resurrection to be true. They secretly know, but they refuse to believe. They suppress the truth. They don't want to deal with the ramifications that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the King of Kings. They don't want to deal with that. In spite of all the evidence, in spite of the guard's report, in spite of the tomb being empty, in spite of all that Jesus said, they are willfully ignorant and willfully deceptive. And I've got to ask, I hate asking this question, but I'm curious if you might be doing the same thing. Suppressing all that God has said, all that God has done, because you don't want to deal with it. Could that be somebody in this room? You don't want to believe it. Because if it's true, you know something's got to change, and you know you've got to change. You've got to acknowledge he is the king of kings. You've got to acknowledge there is a heaven and a hell. I'm begging you, don't suppress the truth. And here, let me give you 17 reasons why, why, you, why this is true, why we know this is true, that Jesus is the most significant person on earth, that the resurrection is the most significant event that ever occurred. 17 reasons. I'm just saying, pick one. Just pick one. Jesus died by execution from the ancient Roman government. I mean, he died. He, he was viciously murdered, a spear put in his side. Flogged, crucified, put in a tomb for three days. His resurrection was predicted in the Old Testament. Jesus predicted the res- his resurrection in advance. We, we talked about that already. Jesus' tomb, uh, the lo- location was well known. Everybody knew where the tomb was, but it was never enshrined because nobody ever went back there because there was no reason to go back there. There's no body there. So the tomb was never enshrined. The tomb had been guarded by Roman soldiers. Jesus' Jesus's empty tomb was, a, was first found by women. We talked about that. The disciples, the, Jesus' disciples were transformed. They were cowards, and then they became so bold, you couldn't shut them up. And they died for what they said. And after Jesus rose from dead, Isaac said this here. He talked about 1 Corinthians 15. He, 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 uh, he died according to the scriptures. He was, he was buried, and he rose again according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to over 500 people. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, after his suffering, he showed himself to to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. In other words, Jesus' followers remained loyal to him. Jesus' tomb, I said this, his tomb was not enshrined. Jesus' followers worshiped him as God. Get this, Jesus' family worshiped him as, as God. Jesus' family, and I know Mary, Mary knew from the beginning, right? But they had other children, they, uh, James and, and Jude. And, and, and if you read in the Gospels, his brothers were not too keen of everything he was doing and everything he was saying. They were kind of embarrassed by it all. And after the resurrection, what happened to these men? These men went from being unbelievers, they became pastors. They wrote, they wrote books in the New Testament. His own family knew that he was God. 
Jesus' followers changed the, the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Jesus' followers practiced communion and baptism for 2,000 years. We practice communion and baptism. What is communion? Communion is the remembrance of all that Jesus did. This is his body. This is his blood given for, for our salvation. So every Sunday, we take communion, remembering this event. And baptism, what, what is baptism? When, when, you, when you are buried to yourself and you come out of that water, a new creation filled with the Holy Spirit. But you, that's sim- symbolic of dying and, and being raised, the resurrection. We will experience the resurrection. The baptism, just another sign of, of all this. Um, Jesus' enemy, Paul, was converted and, and, and then went on to write 14 books in the New Testament, emphasizing that Jesus is God and in, emphasizing the resurrection. Jesus' church has stood the test of time for 2,000 years. Everything the world throws at the church, the church is still here. And today, the church looks healthy. The church looks well. Jesus is alive and still changing lives today. Many people in this room have experienced the the power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus. His ministry is continuing on and on. on. I'm just saying, pick one. I should have had this list up here. I didn't give you the whole list, but um, just look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. And what are you going to do with the evidence? There's a point where unbelief is not the result of rational thought. It's the result of a stubborn heart. It's just stubbornness to refuse to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, to refuse to acknowledge him as king, to refuse to to acknowledge him as as the sacrifice that took away our sins. The evidence is such that you could say those who refuse to believe are not deep thinkers. They're people who are just not thinking at all. And I'm just asking, is that you? Please don't let that be you. So we talk about the chief priests. What about the guards? The guards took the hush money, and they spread the lie. Why, why would they do this? And I would tell you that why they would do this is because they were terrified for their lives. A, a Roman soldier, if you lost your prisoner, the, the result is execution. If you fell asleep on the job, the result is execution. If you abandon your post, the, the result is execution. These guys were trying to save their own necks. So they took the money, and they did as they were told, because they were scared. Scared of what? They, they feared man, not God. And I would ask you, is that you? That you care more about what people think than what God thinks. You fear man more than you fear God. And I would give you a verse here in Matthew 28, Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That would be God. Fear the Lord. Fear the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, I, I would beg you, we need, to, we need, as Christians, as believers, we need to be people who, who stop fearing what man can do and start, start living in the fear and the awe of God. Because we know what he can do and we know what he wants to do. He wants you to come to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And one commentator, he shares that the the only reason we know this part of the story is because at least one of the soldiers came to Jesus. That's that's the whole reason we know this happened. All right, so we get to Jesus and the disciples. The women, they went and they told the disciples. So let's leave the chief priests and the guards behind now. Let's get to the good stuff here. Jesus and the disciples, the 11 disciples went to Galilee 
to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. It does say, but some doubted. Now, we'll talk about that here. But I want you to see, they, they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus after he'd been brutally crucified. They see him alive. They see he is victorious. And they worship him. Once again, they worship. The women worshiped him. The disciples are worshiping him. Some doubted. And I'm thinking that's probably talking about uh, Thomas. You remember, you know, doubting Thomas? who says, I'm not going to believe unless I see the holes in his hands. So what's Jesus do? Jesus appears to Thomas. Say, hey, Thomas, put your hand right here, okay? Touch, touch these holes. Touch, touch this hole in my side where that spear went. Touch that. And what's Thomas do? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Talking to Jesus. My Lord and my God. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Atticus taught on this uh, Wednesday night. This, this is the Great Commission. This is known as the Great Commission. And Atticus said something. I don't remember what the number was, but something kind of depressing. Like only 25%, even if, if it's even that much, 25% of Christians even know what the Great Commission is. This is the Great Commission. This is, okay, the angels told the ladies, go and tell the disciples. And Jesus is telling the disciples, go and tell the world. Go and tell the world. Jesus has all authority, all authority over sin, over Satan, over death. Death can't touch us because of Jesus Christ. We're going to die our fleshly death, but then we will rise again through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Romans 8 verse 11. Through the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead will raise us from the dead as well. This is good news. Jesus has all authority. Go and tell. And here's the message. Go make disciples. Was it somebody who, who follows Jesus? Somebody who's a student of Jesus? Somebody who lives their life for Jesus? Go make disciples. Go and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Which, which number three to me, go give them my spirit is what Jesus is saying. Give them the Holy Spirit. And in, in, in my view of Scripture, and this could be, you know, maybe not everybody sees it this way, but that, that's what I think, see baptism is about. Baptism is when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we die to ourselves, we come out of that water in new creation, sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's why baptism is so important to me. And go and teach them my commands. Teach them to love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. And teach them to love one another. Teach them to forgive. Teach them, teach them my ways. Teach them to obey all that I command. So that they can experience the blessings of God. We're not, we're not going to see the power of God in our life. We're not going to experience the blessings of God in our life, the grace of God in our life, if we're not obeying God, if we're not listening to God and doing as he says. Go and tell the world that Jesus is with us. He is with us. And, and something that stood out to me this week is to notice that Jesus gave 
these instructions to who? He gave these instructions to his disciples. And if you've been here for the past few weeks, you know we've we dealt with this. The, the, the same disciples that denied him and fled from him as he was arrested and as he was crucified, he, these, these men deserted him. They deserted him. I read a story about a guy who was caught in Canada who, who deserted um, uh, during the Vietnam War. He, he, and they caught him, they arrested him, and then they dropped all the charges. They never prosecuted him. And, and a guy was asked what he thought about that. And, and because of this guy, he was a former Marine, he, he, he served during Vietnam. Uh, you know, how do you feel about this guy who deserted being let go? No charges. And, and the, the man said, you know, I don't want the government to spend a dime on this guy. I just want him branded for life and never allowed back into our country. I tell you that because people have strong views on people who desert, people who abandon their post. And yet there's Jesus. How's he treat these guys? He treats them with love. He calls them brothers. And, and, and I read this this week. This is the only place in Matthew 28, verse 10, when, the angel, when, when, Jesus met, when Jesus saw the women, he says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the only place in the Gospels that Jesus refers to the disciples as his brothers. And this is after they had abandoned him. The one they had abandoned. He still loves them. He still, he still wants them. He still accepts them. And, and I tell you that because... Who here has not deserted Jesus? Who here has not abandoned Jesus sometime in your life? Maybe sometime yesterday. Maybe sometime this morning. Hopefully, not, you know, maybe we're, hopefully we're not that bad. But who here has not betrayed Jesus, denied Jesus, failed Jesus? And you think he's done with you? Is, is that the message you're hearing? That's not what I'm seeing here. He is not done with you. I read a story about a man, an evangelist named Bob Harrington. I don't know if you, a long time ago, back in the 60s, a long time ago. Okay. Um, a guy that Billy Graham refers to as um, Bob Harrington was bringing a witness of Christ to the middle of hell. A great evangelist, well-known evangelist at the time. Billy Graham spoke highly of this guy. And then he fell from grace and he fell into addiction. And for 20 years just lived a wretched life to the point that he was suicidal. And right at what, I, what I read here, at, at that moment, a friend called him up and said, Brother Bob, aren't you ready to come back? And Bob began to cry. Yes, he said, I'm, I'm so ready. So this man led him back to Christ, and, and he was restored. And Bob reconciled with his family and with his friends. And he went on to preach at some of the best-known churches in, in America. And Bob says he lived four lives. He was lost. He was saved. He left the Lord. And he was restored. Maybe some of y'all can, can relate to that. Maybe some of you need to be restored, thinking, you know, that I've, I've walked away. There's no hope for me. There, there is hope for you. There was hope for the disciples. The minister uh, said, I wish every church in America could, could have heard what Bob said in that, in that pulpit. Um, what does he say? He said, we, we, we make monumental efforts to, to win drunks and addicts and adulterers to salvation. But when a brother fails, we excommunicate him forever. We must take strong, a strong stand against sin, but we must not, but we must not shoot our own wounded. Uh, there was hope for Moses. 
There was hope for Jacob. There was hope for David. There was hope for the disciples. There's hope for you. Jesus wants you to come back. He's not done with you. He wants to use you again. And he says he will never leave you or forsake you. We might leave him. We might forsake him. But he will never forsake us. So I'll take you through all of Matthew 28. We just went through all of Matthew 28. And now I would ask you, what do, you, what do we do with this? We talked about Jesus and, and, and the ladies. We talked about the guards. We talked about Jesus and the disciples. Now we got to talk about Jesus and, and you and me. A couple things I just want to highlight before we get out of here is, first of all, to understand that Jesus has all authority. Do you understand that? Do you acknowledge that? What are you afraid of? The fear of the Lord is the only thing to, to fear. We don't fear sin. We don't fear Satan. We don't fear death. He has all authority over all creation. And to understand Jesus is with us. He's alive. He is Lord. He's still changing lives today. You can see it every week. And to understand that Jesus is sending us. The message to the ladies, go and tell. The message to the disciples, go and tell. The message to you and me right now, go and tell. The world needs to hear this. Go and tell. The Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and tell the world this. We need to tell the world to, to, to be his disciples, to be baptized, to obey his commands, to, that, that Jesus is with them. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, you, I'm, I'm asking, I'm, I'm begging you, be his disciple. Be a student of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. Do it his way. Stop doing it your way. Your way doesn't work. Most of us know that. My way doesn't work. God's way works. Let's do it God's way. Let's be his disciples. Secondly, be baptized. Let's, let's follow this commandment right here to be baptized in his name, to receive his Holy Spirit. I know several people in our church right now have been talking to me about being baptized. I, I just want to put in your head, have you followed through with that? Have you followed through with that? It's, it's his commandment. It's what he's asked us to do. And he's asked us to obey his commandments. I was reading Ephesians chapter 5. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with his spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians 5.18. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be grateful. Be grateful. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And these are just a few. Come back next week, I'll give you a few more. And these are what, these are what makes us his disciples. This, this is what makes the world a better place when we all agree this is what we need to be doing. We need to be doing it God's way. And to understand he is with you. He wants to be with you.
Do you want to be with him? I just want to ask, do you want to be with him? He wants to be, be with you to the end of the age, which means forever and ever. In this life and the next, here on earth and in heaven, he wants to be with you. Do you want to be with him?